was an easy win for Max Verstappen, but he certainly had help from a major error by Charles Leclerc. And now the driver's championship lead may be out of reach for the Ferrari driver. Or is it? We'll review the French Grand Prix from Paul Ricard, possibly the last one for a while. We'll go over the Grand Prix, give you what we learned from Sunday, and we'll go over each team and their weekend. This is our French Grand Prix review here at the Overtake F1 podcast. All right, before we get going, a reminder, if you like what we've been doing, please subscribe. We love the support. We love the growth. You can also reach me on Twitter at Tony D Radio. You can follow us on Facebook, the Overtake F1 podcast. If you do need to email me for any reason whatsoever, you can hit my show email, Tony D Radio Show at Yahoo.com. All right, Charles Leclerc said it after the race. If he loses this championship by 32 points, he knows where those are coming from. His error on lap 18 of the French Grand Prix turned the driver's championship into something that was manageable with some more wins and effort to an uphill climb that just may be insurmountable. Verstappen now leads the championship by 63 points with 10 races remaining on the schedule. Leclerc would need to beat Verstappen by an average of seven points per weekend to win the championship. And now while it's technically not over, of course, Red Bull would have to have an incredible string of bad luck. Ferrari cannot count on this and they need to take advantage of the weekends where they have the superior car. This was one of them. When Verstappen finishes races, he is more likely to be on the podium. Sure, he can get a damaged car around the circuit like he did at Silverstone, but if he finishes a Grand Prix, his name is getting announced on the big stage somewhere. That's a problem because it means Leclerc is going to have to win big over the next 10, almost like every single race remaining. So let's go over the French Grand Prix and where it all broke down for Ferrari. Charles Leclerc started on pole position thanks to his teammate Carlos Sainz providing a toe in Q3. Now, Sainz was in the top 10, but was going to start at the back of the grid doing an engine upgrade penalty. So while he was out driving around in Q3, getting no benefit, he helped Leclerc secure the fastest lap of that group. Now, Leclerc would start on pole, but he had both Red Bulls right behind him, and they made it really tough. Or should I say Verstappen made it really tough, because he was right behind Leclerc from the start. And Next, looked like he had the dominating car. At any moment, I felt like he was just simply going to pass the Ferrari, but he didn't. Leclerc kept him back until lap 18. Coming out of turn 11, Leclerc just spun out. Now, he complained about the throttle on the radio, but later said it was his mistake. Now, others speculated it could have been a gust of wind that affected the aerodynamics on that turn. It doesn't really matter. Leclerc went into the barrier without any contact and his race was done. You just don't see race leaders just do that where they just spin out. You know, normally there's some contact or something, but Leclerc just couldn't get a hold of the car and boom, his race was over. Now, he said Imola cost him seven when he spun out there, 25 on Sunday. So as I reiterate, he if he loses by 32, he knows that he cost himself the championship. It's the third time this season that he is out of a race, Barcelona, Baku, and now France. DNFs, are, no matter how they come, are just kind of part of the motorsports game. But these have been really, really costly for Ferrari. And his scream into the radio was just devastating. It's a man that knew everything for the this season was gone. All of the early dominance, the pace that had people thinking that this could be the year of a Ferrari driver winning a world championship are gone. 
Now, with Leclerc out, the drama of the race went with it because any undercut strategy was gone for Red Bull. No one else had the pace to match for Stappen and challenge him for the win. Lewis Hamilton didn't have the car to make it a race, but he did have one that held up for second place. Behind him, Sergio Perez and George Russell, they were fighting for third. The other Ferrari driver, Carlos Sainz, was flying through the field with his new engine and a set of hard tires, and he was able to change over to mediums after the Leclerc crash. He got into the top 10 before the pit stop. Everyone else changed over to the hard tires. Sainz, though, had an unsafe release from the pits that looked really dangerous. He exited his pit box just as another car, I believe it was a Williams, uh, was heading down the lane. He narrowly missed hitting that car, and that could have been really tragic because the McLaren guys were right next to them working. So he was received a five-second penalty. So how would Ferrari serve that penalty? Get him back in the pits for fresher tires and serve it there, or let him finish the race on the older mediums, have the five seconds added to his time, and see what that got him. He was battling for P3 with Sergio Perez when Ferrari made the call for him to box, to which Signs was quick on the radio to say, not now! But in the end, he did pit, he served that penalty, and ended up P5 with a fastest lap. Now, this strategy was heavily criticized, and you can see why. He looked very fast out there, and while he was not going to win this Grand Prix, he wasn't going to catch Max, he was looking good for a podium if he could hold that P3 and get the five-second cushion that he needed to secure it. All of that, though, would mean those tires, those medium tires that he took at lap 18 after the Leclerc crash, would last until the end. That was a big gamble and one the team just didn't want to risk. They rightfully figured that a pit stop, five seconds added to that, new tires would get a good result. Maybe even a podium if, if it circumstances played out right. They were right, but I was really hoping that they would take that gamble. And this is where Formula One can be frustrating that way, especially if you are a new fan. It's a long play at the sacrifice sometimes of some fun racing. It's kind of similar to Major League Baseball. When you see a manager remove a pitcher after a certain number of throws, remember Tampa Bay manager Kevin Cash did it in the World Series, removing a dominating Blake Snell to the light of Dodger and the Dodgers and Dodger fans. F1 teams need to balance the season as well as the Grand Prix race. If Ferrari stayed out and Sainz made those tires last, he likely finishes P3 or P2. Maybe he catches Hamilton for second, but I don't think he gets the five-second buffer to hold it. Likewise with P3. I just can't see him being that far ahead of Perez or Russell for third. The five-second penalty allowed for this to be a little bit of an easier decision for Ferrari. Get the fresh tires, get the five-second penalty. Hopefully there's enough laps where you can make up some ground and put out a solid result. And P5 with the fastest lap is a pretty good result. Meanwhile, Mercedes took advantage of two things to secure a great weekend result. With Ferrari suffering a DNF and a back-of-the-grid start, the Silver Arrows achieved a podium finish for both drivers. Hamilton finished 10 seconds behind Verstappen, but ahead of everybody else, and George Russell passed Sergio Perez on a late restart to finish third. More on that later. The Russell-Perez battle was really good. On lap 42, they did make some contact at the chicane, where Perez did not leave Russell enough room, but unlikely saw him trying to make that overtake and Perez was trying to protect his position. It did cause Russell to kind of go over the curb. He was pretty upset about that, but the FIA said that the incident didn't really warrant any further action. So when Gornagio brought out the virtual safety car, another opportunity for Russell to overtake Perez presented itself. 
It was a rather strange circumstances, so let's see if I can clear it up a little bit. On lap 50, the virtual safety car was going to end, but Russell and Perez thought it had ended, and they were racing down the straight into the chicane, turns eight and nine, but they were wrong, and Perez had to slow down to go below the delta time through turns 10 through 12. When the virtual safety car finally does end, Russell flies in front of Perez for P3. Now, there appeared to be some confusion by Perez, who was, quote, caught napping in that moment, but it's possible he did not get the message in time to react at the end of the virtual safety car. So in a nutshell, Perez thought the VSC was ending when he was at the chicane at turn eight. It wasn't, so he was slowing down. Russell was accelerating, and the timing of the end benefited Russell. So Russell was accelerating as Perez was sort of decelerating, and Perez was caught between speeds. It sure was a bad look for Perez and Red Bull, of course, because Mercedes kept Russell informed as to when the virtual safety car was ending, it appears as if Red Bull did not do that for Sergio Perez. So the result of the race was a double podium for Perez, who continued to have good results despite not having the pace of both the Red Bulls or the Ferraris. I think they will win a race this season, but I got to admit, I'm sort of running out of time for this prediction to come true. All right, so let's get to the team report card from the French Grand Prix, and we'll start with Red Bull, who won the race. It's now seven victories for Verstappen this season and a comfortable lead in the Drivers' Championship, as well as the constructors for the team. Max said the fight is still there, but the reality, he could sit out two races and he would still lead the championship. The team does benefit from Ferrari mistakes, but show me a championship team that doesn't benefit from their opponent's errors from time to time. I think the impressive thing was Verstappen's margin at the end. It's a full 10 seconds over Hamilton. Last year, he used a double stop you know, strategy to get the win over Lewis, but a one stop was all he needed, even with those high temperatures and the tire degradation. He saved those tires, got the victory. As for Perez, as we said before, he fell to P4 after Russell passed him on the last restart. He finished well behind Verstappen's time, struggling with the tires, and he could not fight with both Mercedes for the full Grand Prix. As for Ferrari... Like we said, it's a good day for Carlos Sainz. Started P19 with the engine penalty. He had turned into a P3 at one point, then eventually a P5 finish. He got the fastest lap point as well. However, there was this five-second unsafe release penalty that should not have happened. And we can debate the correct strategy at the end for Sainz, as many have done, but I'm going to go with that Ferrari kind of got that right. As for Leclerc, when we do our review of the season, this will likely be a moment we remember where the championship battle really just got too far out of hand. It was manageable before. It was still a huge lead for Verstappen, but, you know, if you win a few races here or there, combine that with maybe a Verstappen DNF, if you can get one of those and a win, then it becomes something really tight. But now it's 63 points. It's just a lot of points to make up against a guy that's won seven of 12 races this season. Like I said, he doesn't DNF often. And when he finishes races, it's usually on the podium. So you're not going to be chipping away all that much. You got to win every race. It's, it's basically boils down to this. You got to win every race. You can get 25 points for the win. That's 18 for the second place finish. That's a seven point gap. You throw in a fastest lap here or there. You got to win every race. You got to average out a seven point victory for every race. That's a win every race and a P2 for Verstappen. And maybe you don't have to do it as much if you get a win and he gets a ninth or you get a win and he gets a fifth. But find find a bunch of those on the on the schedule the rest of the way. So Ferrari... 
this is the one race we'll point back to this in our review and say this is where Ferrari really just lost it all, lost every sort of hope they had for a driver's championship. Mercedes. Hamilton did a great job jumping on Perez at the start of the Grand Prix, and from there, he pretty much cruised to P2 after Leclerc had left the race. He thought the end result was a bit surprising, but praised the team for their effort and reliability. Like I said, yeah, you had two, the two Ferraris who they don't match up pace for pace. One is out of the race, the other one's starting at the back of the grid. You've got Sergio Perez, who you're beating, and then you're not catching Verstappen. So this is why Toto Wolff said it's the maximum number of points the team could reasonably expect. They don't have the pace this season, so they need a little bit of help from the guys above them. They got it from Ferrari, and uh, you know they were able to take care of Sergio Perez and just let Max Verstappen win the race. So this was a good result for Mercedes based on really where they are. Russell really had to work for that third-place finish, fighting Perez for most of the race, but in the end, that pass on the restart was pretty easy. Again, he's accelerating, Perez is decelerating, so it's a fantastic podium finish for the two Mercedes drivers. McLaren. We talked about this in the preview. We'll probably touch on it throughout the rest of the season. They're in a good P4 constructors battle with Alpine. So this was not a good day for the team. Norris could not catch Fernando Alonso after he was passed on the opening lap. You can blame a slow start by Norris for that. Ricardo just simply couldn't hold back Esteban Ocon at the end. Norris finishing seventh. Ricardo finished ninth. Both drivers get points, but they did not have the competitive car against Alpine at Paul Ricard. The team did introduce Introduce a new upgrade package, and in the end, they got a good result as a whole. We talked about the struggles of Daniel Ricciardo in the past, so he did get points, and it was a double points finish. They haven't had a lot of that this year. Lando Norris has been the guy getting all the points in this P4 battle, but Daniel Ricciardo chipped in with a P9. As for Alpine, again, in that battle with McLaren, a double points day for the team on their home Grand Prix, as Fernando Alonso finishes P6, Esteban Ocon, he finished P8, his personal home race. Alonso was fantastic at the start. He was able to get past both Russell and Norris. He went up two places from P7. He was able to hold off Norris throughout the race for a solid finish, but Esteban Ocon couldn't get into the Q3 on Saturday and yet was able to secure some points despite a five-second penalty he got for steering into Yuki Tsunoda on the first lap. So this really was a good weekend for the team. It's their home race. They have both drivers in the top 10, and they now have grabbed P4 the constructors battle with McLaren so for Alpine their expectations were met fantastic result at the French Grand Prix for the French team Ashton Martin Aston Martin, Lance Stroll finished 10th after starting P15 on the grid. His teammate Sebastian Vettel right behind him, P11. The two even raced at the end towards the checkered flag. They almost made some contact. That would have been a mess. But anyway, they got the point. Sebastian said, doesn't matter me or him. We were, we were battling for that final point anyway. Vettel had his day stuck in traffic. Complained about that afterwards. But again, he did battle Stroll at the end, but it wasn't a really good day for him. Alfa Romeo. My God, was this a tough day for Zhou Guan Yu. He had to retire after a mechanical failure with a few laps remaining, which brought out the virtual safety car. Before that, there were even more issues. He hit Mick Schumacher. He needed a new front wing. He That gave him a five-second penalty. Valtteri Bottas, though, finished P14 on a rather uneventful day. He started on the hard tires, switched to mediums when the safety car came out for Leclerc, but that medium meant he had to have another pit stop. Alfatari. 
Yuki Tsunoda's day ended early after contact with Ocon. He got back on the track, but eventually retired from the race, suffering a lot of damage. It was also a disappointing day for Pierre Gasly. He finished 12th in his home race. He said afterwards that he tried everything to get the best out of the car, but nothing really worked. He moved up with other cars dropping out, but in the end, it was just not a good effort. He lost some places trying to make a pass on Alex Albon and then spun. The team just didn't capitalize on the upgrade package for the race weekend. For Haas, well, this was kind of disappointing. Kevin Magnussen did get into Q3 on Saturday, but it didn't mean anything because he was taking a grid penalty, but it showed that they had some pace, but he started P20. Now, he did do a good job getting up to P12, but the team suffered a lot of tire degradation. He also tangled with Nicholas Latifi, had to retire. Mick Schumacher, F1's newest flavor of the month, finished P15 after an incident with Zoe. Luck just not on their side on Sunday's race for the Haas team. And that was coming off some really good runs of late, especially for Mick Schumacher. All right, as for Williams, a DNF for Nicholas Latifi, who got tangled with Kevin Magnussen. He did like the pace of the car up until that point, so there were some positives to take away from his day before he retired. Alex Albon just didn't have the pace to keep up with the cars in the midfield. He finished P13. He did get the car up to P11 at one point. He was pretty close to points, but Ashton Martin was just too strong for Sunday's Grand Prix. All right, so what did we learn from Sunday's French Grand Prix? Well, not a lot, but... Again, this is going to be the Grand Prix that we can sort of point to at the end of the season. If Max indeed cruises to a victory, this is where he won it. Max is saying all the right things because he knows racing. Uh, he can have a couple of DNFs and Ferrari could be right back into this. We, we hold out for that because I would like to see a championship battle. Look, if you're a Max Verstappen fan, I get it. If you want to see this guy win this championship by 300 points, I get it. But I think for a lot of Formula One fans, we like seeing a battle for the championship. We like to see this go down to the final couple of races of the year. Ferrari had that opportunity at the beginning of the year to make this interesting. They had the pace. Everyone was jumping on the Charles Leclerc bandwagon in terms of, hey, this is the guy that could win a championship for Ferrari. If you're a longtime Ferrari fan, you've been waiting for this for a while. Those first couple of races, they just showed tremendous pace. And it looked like Red Bull was on their heels a bit. But it is a long season and circumstances change. The one thing about this, and I will say, is that Ferrari has found ways to lose races with their top drivers in all shape and manner, from engine failures to driver error to bad pitch strategy, blowing opportunities that are right in front of them. They have had a season that is really worth the criticism. And I know that there were people after this Grand Prix that said, look, Mattia Bonato has got to get with the strategy team and he may have to let some people go. And that really isn't that far off. But I agree. I agreed with the strategy of Carlos Sainz. I, I did. I might be one of the only few because I, I just didn't see. I watched the race twice. I did not see a level of pace. And I looked at all the numbers that showed me that Carlos Sainz could get P3 and five seconds ahead of George Russell or Sergio Perez. Not on those old tires. I just because again, if you're let's say you're Mercedes and George Russell is in fourth. Carlos Sainz gets past him, and now we're, we're, we're winding down the laps. Forget the safety car for a second. Let's say it's George Russell, even if it's Sergio Perez, but let's just use Russell in the exam. You don't think that they're going to say, hey, by the way, he's got a five-second penalty. Push, push, push. You don't have to pass him. You don't have to pass him. You've just got to be within five seconds of him. Push, 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 push to that point. 
Meanwhile, if you're Carlos Sainz and you got 10 laps to go on very old medium tires, even though Sainz is pretty good at making tires last, how long can he push himself to maintain the five second buffer? Right? It's going to be really, really difficult. So again, I know Ferrari gets criticized. Look, it was perfect the way the broadcast showed Carlos Sainz battling with Perez and Ferrari saying at that time, box, box, and Sainz yelling, no, no, not now, not now. It's a perfect image for the Ferrari season without question. That's a perfect way. Like I put it out on Twitter. Ferrari calling Carlos Sainz to box when he's in a battle with, with Sergio Perez is a Ferrari thing to do in 2022. It's just, it's a perfect narrative for all the mistakes that they've made this season. But I do think if you really think about it, I just think that, look, get him in, get the tires, serve the penalty, get out there. Now, could they have brought him in earlier? Probably, probably. They probably should have said, if we are going to bring him in, Let's bring him in early, maybe even before he's battling Perez for position. But once he's battling Perez, you got to let him battle Perez because it did sh- did feel like Ferrari wasn't even paying attention to Carlos Sainz and what he was doing on the racetrack. They were st- instead too deep in their analytics. And like I said, analytics plays a part in this sport, like all sports, even that we have here in the United States. You see that in Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL. There's numbers, 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 numbers. Formula One plays the long game for the season. So when you want to take a gamble, you want to roll the dice a little bit. It's kind of hard to do because there's a lot of money on the other end and you got to salvage points for the constructors race where the real money is and the driver's championship, which Carlos Sainz is not going to be competing against. So I understand why Ferrari did this. The tires could have blown. He could have had two DNFs. Instead, you get a P5 with the fastest lap. Those are valuable points in the constructors battle. So you got to try to minimize the damage as much as you can. But this race, I can't stress it enough. Go back in the season, all 22 races in the books. The French Grand Prix, is gonna, you're going to point to that one and say that's where it all ended. Everything was manageable. It sure was going to take some luck. It was a 30-plus point lead for Verstappen, sure. But you never know. 25 points to zero, you win a DNF, all of a sudden it's single digits. But this is the race where it got to 63, and this is the race that just Ferrari was not going to be able to come back in. One other thing to watch out for, that P4 battle that we talked about earlier, that's getting good between Alpine and McLaren. Watch out for that. we got one more race before the long summer break. Hungary's coming up this weekend. But even after that, watch how the P4 battle between McLaren and Alpine looks like they're going to shape out. All right, that'll do it from our French Grand Prix review. Congratulations to Red Bull and Max Verstappen again for winning another race again. But we got Hungary coming up with the Hungaro ring that's coming up this weekend. Our Hungarian Grand Prix review will be up later this week. We will go over the track. We will go over five things to watch for. We got our top five, bottom five from the French Grand Prix. And then we are off to a break. Also during the break, be on the lookout for my first half season review, the top 10 moments of the first half of the season. I always love doing that. So be on the lookout for that. Once again, please subscribe to this podcast. Please, I love the support. Share it with your friends. We are are growing. It's been exciting for me as an American broadcaster to do this Formula One podcast. I really do hope you enjoy it like i've said before it's a little different than other podcasts that give you an hour an hour and a half guests round table discussions it's just me trying to break this down
down as quickly as I can, give you some sort of manageable time to listen to a review or a preview of what's going on in Formula One. I'm Tony Dazuri. Thanks for joining us. Follow me on Twitter at Tony D Radio. You can reach the show at Tony D Radio Show at Yahoo.com. Look for our Hungarian Grand Prix preview that's coming up later this week. This has been the Overtake F1 Podcast.